You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Woo-hoo! Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks, we are back, and this time we're going back to TV, and we are looking at Hawkeye, the wonderful series from our fine folks at the MCU. Were we surprised? Were we not? Well, that's going to be a good question. I know there were a lot of owies in this one from people getting shot with arrows, though, so it was pretty cool to see and it gave me new respect for trick arrows i will also say that too and speaking of trick arrows this man is a has a quiver full of them himself let's of course welcome mr mike gordon howdy how are you sir got your arrows and quiver ready we are i am ready to uh get right on target Awesome. And if we haven't said it yet, we are going to spoil the hell out of Hawkeye. So if you haven't seen it yet, put us on pause. Go watch the six episodes. They're real. No, 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 no. Wait. Listen to our Geek Seed interview, then put us on pause, then go watch the series. Oh, they could do both or at the same time. Or they could turn down the sound of Hawkeye and just um, listen to the Geek Seed segment. It's pretty much about the same length. So it should be a lot of fun tonight. We got a great crew to talk all about it. And it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, did we like it? Did we not? Were there highs, were there lows, or were there some surprises with some characters that we weren't even fully expecting? Should be really cool to see. Of course, we want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Be great to hear from you guys. And you know what? It's always nice just to keep in touch. As my mom used to say, don't forget to write. So it's always good to do. So please write us when you can. And if you get a chance also... Why not sign up for the ESO Patreon? It's a great way to keep in touch and you get some really cool, you know, original material that you can't find anywhere else. We just actually posted today as is recording, which is the 10th of January. We posted the first episode of, of Earth Station DCU Classics, where Kevin and Drew talk all about the Armageddon 2000 and also Angel and the Ape. Two things I didn't think going together, but, you know, if Kevin was on it, I fully expected Angel of the Ape to be there. So it's a good thing that's exclusive to the ESO patrons. And you also, for the ESO patrons, you also get episodes of Rants and Raves. And there's a new episode of Rants and Raves coming to your way by the end of this week. And it's going to be episode three. And we're talking all about Doom Patrol season three. Can't believe it's on its third season already. It's pretty amazing. So it should be cool to do. And, you know, you could do it and sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Also, speaking of really cool things to sign up for, you know what? We got to say hi to our friends over at Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optical has amazing glasses, amazing sunglasses, safety goggles, sporting glasses, and even face shields. Check them out at tifosioptics.com and tell them Earth Station One sent you. And if you put Earth Station One into the coupon code, you can get 10% off your order. Not just one pair, but your whole order. Check it out, tifosioptics.com. And now we're here with some new friends of the show. Let's welcome them. Take it away, Mikey. 
Yes, we've got with us uh, uh, filmmakers, uh, CJ and Larissa. Is it Julianus? Am I correct on that? Julianus. Yes, I probably should have checked that before we hit the record button. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, people, drink. It's your first drink of the night. Come on. Exactly, right, right. right. Uh, So, um, well, welcome to the station. Thank you for having us. We're glad to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. For those people who may not be familiar with your work, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you've got going on. Well, I'll let Larissa start. Well, we are filmmakers with our very first feature film, a romantic comedy that's now streaming everywhere, Amazon Prime, Tubi, a bunch of other places. But this is a type of romantic comedy that will be especially interesting to the geekdom and the geek universe because it's not your typical rom-com. Absolutely. You do not need to take an antidote to saccharin after watching our movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, uh, and its lead character is a geek. So it's called The Misadventures of Mistress Maneater. And for those of you who like a little bit of adventure, some mystery, um, some action, and, and, maybe, geekiness, and, and geekiness. maybe if you're a fan of BBC Sherlock, you'll be all about this movie. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, so with the lack of uh, saccharin, I take it it's not something we would normally see on something like, say, the Lifetime channel or something. Right? Absolutely no. not. Polar <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the elevator pitch is, with only 30 days to repay a massive loan, a disgraced art historian is forced into a scandalous scheme, win the heart of, and then extort an Episcopal priest, avo- avoiding her like loose glitter. So, uh, but what it's not telling you, because Amazon has a character limit on how long you can make the description, is Mm -hmm. that this disgraced art historian, played by moi, is actually a dominatrix during the day. And the Episcopal priest pays the bills by being an MMA fighter. Wow. So it's one of these um, one of one of these romantic comedies that people who don't like romantic comedies and guys will really like. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, let me ask you: since you opened that door, like, uh, do you guys like romantic comedies? Is it where you've got what what inspired this project? I feel about romantic comedies similarly to the way I feel about musicals, which I've also written. To where it's a, I feel like it's amazing genre. It's an incredible uh, medium, but so often I feel like it's not done justice. The writing, the writing in a lot of rom-coms, unfortunately, has gotten really lazy. If you watch a lot of Hallmark or Lifetime movies, they all tend to be very cookie cutter. They all tend to be very similar. They all tend to be very low budget and, and look at with simple stories. That's not what we did. Um, when Larissa and I watch movies, and this is probably the same with, with you guys in your audience, how many times have we watched movies where you say, I've seen this character before. I've seen this plot before. I've seen this scenario I know what's going to happen. Yeah, and you can call what's going to happen 10 minutes ahead of time, and then it happens. So what Larissa did when writing the script is she endeavored to create a script that had a lot of very twisty turny, and you don't know what's going to happen next. And that's that's the beauty of it, that there's a lot of different genres involved, it's funny, and but it also has aspects of mystery and noir and a lot of literary aspects for, for movie viewers who like to look for deeper meanings in movies. There's allegory, there's metaphor, there's items that relate to toxic masculinity, female empowerment, gay rights, art history, uh, forgiveness, just religion, all kinds of different things. Sounds like so, my kind of show. It sounds awesome. <laughs> I, I wanted to write. Um, I will. I write what I want to see more of. The kind of movies I want to watch. Um, ideally, stories that are smart 
and funny and witty and sexy and exciting, but ultimately that make you feel a little more hopeful about the world. Because to me, the real, the real point of being an artist is to make the world a better place and to bring something positive in. Even if it's just lighting up somebody's evening and giving them a laugh and a smile and making them fall in love. Exactly. And a lot of the reviews, we've got hundreds and hundreds of reviews on on Prime and IMDb, and mm-hmm. m- hundreds of them basically describe it as witty, charming, fun, hilarious, and also heartfelt. So we're really proud of what we accomplished. And edgy. That's what we and really there's, there's edgy too, yeah. edgy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with edgy folks. Always good that way. And that's very awesome. Um, how far back do your roots as far as storytellers go? When did you first get the, the bug to tell stories, especially like with when it comes to film? I'll let Larissa start this and then I'll jump in. Well, I sold my first script as a playwright back in when I was probably 12 years old, back in the late 90s. So you know how old I am now. Um, but I graduated from Columbia. So this is, gives you an idea of the geekdom here. I graduated at, from Columbia College Chicago's uh, filmmaking program as their youngest graduate of record when I was 17. I was your typical geek with no life. <laughs> and she has a very big brain, a very big brain. <laughs> um, so I started, I then I went into the acting community here in Chicago, and I've been in the TV film scene here as an actor for, ever since then, so for almost 20 years. Um, a little geek side note, my biggest client for the last 13, 14 years now has been uh, Mortal Kombat and the WBIPs. So I've worked on Harry Potter Wizards Unite doing um, motion capture, and I've done the performance capture for Mortal Kombat and the Injustice games since 2008. Wow. Yes. So, geek cred. <laughs> this is a, you have to hear this story as long as Larissa brought that, that up. We were in, uh, we were in Biscayne Bay, Black Point, down south of Miami. And uh, there, there, we walked, there was this jetty that goes out like two miles into the ocean. And as we're walking to the end of the jetty, we see these guys kind of like all holed up uh, at, at one side of the jetty. And in the middle of this jetty, the tide had come in. And this was just a coral rock jetty. And uh, they were afraid to walk, walk back because their shoes were off. They walked across with no shoes and they tore their feet up with, with all this coral rock that was part of this jetty. Yeah. They didn't have uh, water shoes. on. They didn't have water shoes. So we asked them, would you like us to get your shoes for you? So you could walk. They're like, Oh, please. Would you do that for us? Thank God. It was like five college guys from the university of Miami. So we had our water shoes on. We walked all the way back. It was a good 500 feet. We came back with their shoes and I told them, have you guys ever played Mortal Kombat? They're like, yeah, we play it all the time. Have you ever played Sonya? Oh, that's my favorite character. You were just rescued by Sonya. <laughs> and they freaked out. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, you that's gave cool. us shoes. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, CJ, what about you? What's your experience with behind storytelling and film? Oh, my goodness. So, um, I started doing theater when I was a kid. My mom and dad started a theater company. And anytime a juvenile delinquent needed to be cast, I got typecast. Cause <laughs> and um, <laughs> so then I went into the military and I was in the Navy for a long time. And I was actually discovered by a talent agent in Coconut Grove, Miami. And I started doing television commercials. I was on TV. I did movies. And then I moved back to Chicago and I got involved in the theater scene and I established my own theater company and I've directed and produced 
probably 30, 40 different plays. And uh, so that, that really um, was the uh, foundation of my directing and producing ability. Nice. And it's naturally translated into doing uh, industrial films, uh, shorts, corporate video, things like that. And now Larissa and I are partnering up with, uh, with our business now, Binary Star Pictures, to make movies. Yeah, we gotcha. met in doing theater together 17 years ago and have been joined at the hip, working together ever since. Yep. Wow. Congratulations on that. That's a while. That's a long time. Good, good job. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and so, is this your first feature length movie that you've produced and done together? It is. Wow. We've, we've done uh, we've done numerous feature length theatrical plays, and I was under the false impression that doing a theatrical production would be the same as doing a movie. I was wrong. I, I was just about to ask you, like, so how prepared were you? <laughs> I was as prepared as I could be. We fortunately surrounded ourselves with a really great, experienced team who knew what yeah. they were doing, and we didn't let ego get in the way because yeah. uh, that would sink a ship, as we've all seen. <laughs> we were smart enough to we were smart enough to surround ourselves with people who had been there. I mean, we we have a really strong work ethic. We have a really strong uh, artistic aesthetic ourselves. We know what we want to do and how we want to do it. But when it came down to the really nitty-gritty nuts and bolts stuff, we did need help with that. And we were very lucky to have some experienced people that, that led us in the right direction and helped us get everything done the right way, on time, under budget, the whole thing. Very nice. Very nice. Um, now, it does seem like, in a lot of ways, that this is a great opportunity for uh, independent filmmakers to get out there. And, and make projects like yourself. Um, but on the other hand, it is like really, really like competitive out there. Yes. Um, it's like podcasting. Like, I'm sure <laughs> there are infinite number of podcasts as we found out, uh, not when we started, but, but as we found, but as now. we've gone on. Yeah. There's now a, I think the, I think the actual official number of podcasts out there is infinite. Uh, <laughs> uh, no end of them. So Same but, thing with uh, filmmakers. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much we tell people that, you know, podcasting in the year 2022 is like having a tramp stamp in the year 2000. So pretty much. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh, did you guys watch that movie? Don't look up yet. Oh yeah. Ah, yes, we have. Uh, did you see the president at the very end had a tramp stamp on her ass? Yeah, I did. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> I will never unsee that for Meryl Streep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I wonder if they CG'd it on Meryl or Meryl actually like. I know? can't imagine Meryl having a tramp stamp, but you know. No. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the funnier things have happened. <laughs> exactly. So so going in, I mean, it's a one challenge to make the movie. But then it's another challenge, as you're doing now, right, to get it out there and and to sort of uh, get it noticed, right? Yeah, that is definitely the struggle. It's as you as you've experienced, I'm sure it's kind of like screaming into the void. Um, we have the opportunity now more than ever, a lot more than not. When I went to film school 20 years ago, to you know, you have the opportunity to reach everybody in the world, but so does everybody else. Right. So how do you set yourself apart? Um, and that's been the biggest challenge that we've been facing. Fortunately, yeah. I have a amazing husband who handles all that. I'm the one that, you know, if I'm the geek where you just sit in front of a computer for 12 hours and don't let anybody talk to me. And I'm very happy <laughs> doing my, <laughs> my little editing or, you know, obsessing about little minutia or mm. how to mix a particular piece of music. That's my thing. But 
Yeah, no, correct. It does the talking to the people most often. CJ. <laughs> so, CJ, so he goes by professionally. <laughs> I'm set up every time. Yeah. Um, She's like a mushroom. We keep her in the dark and feed her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when you were making this particular project, um, like, is it was it something you did recently? Was this was this a, a pandemic baby, so to speak? Oh, or? Heck no. no, that could no. never happen during the pandemic. Just the scope of this is mm-hmm. impossible for any indie filmmaker with the current restrictions, especially because we went union with SAG actors and whatnot, and I'm SAG as well. So we shot this in the summer of 2019. So okay. all the timing just completely, the planets aligned for us. Very fortunately, we had our first premiere right before COVID restrictions came into place. Mm-hmm. But this movie is of, an, of a scale that you rarely see with indies. And I've never seen with an indie out of Chicago or the Midwest. With um, a speaking cast of 40, we have dozens and dozens of extras. There's MMA fight scenes, so many different locations, lots of production value. No way we could have done this with the COVID restrictions. No. Gotcha. Gotcha. Has, has, so with the downtime with the pandemic and with the restrictions, has that um, allowed you to sort of, um, you know, re- regroup and think of other future projects or, oh, yeah. or have you been just basically focused on this one? I, things haven't changed too much. I mean, I didn't work during lockdown because I do a lot of gigs and a lot of live entertaining. Um, but this last year, some of it came back just in a different way. Um, but we're, we're used to, like, first quarter right now, there isn't a lot of work um, in Chicago for live events and whatnot. All the parties are usually last quarter. So it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of what we're used to, just sitting well, with, Larissa, <laughs> being Larissa, at home, the two of us. <laughs> Larissa is working on a pitch uh, for a TV show right now. She's working with uh, an agent out in L.A., that works exclusively with Hearst Entertainment, which is like A&E and all the people. Mm-hmm. So she's working on a proposal for a show for them. And then I'm in preliminary talks to us, acquire a script for our next film that will be exponentially bigger than the one we just did and will require a lot more money. But it's all, it's all in the preliminary stages. You know, you don't know, you don't really have anything until you have signatures on the contract. Right. I did so. do some um, some writing of a couple scripts during pandemic, but you know what I found is that I'm not the type of writer, as much as I do love sitting in front of my computer and editing for 12 hours at a stretch and being obsessed, um, I have found that when it comes to writing, I really need to interact with people and be out in the world and experience new things in order to be inspired and to have that spark. I could never be the writer that, you know, you, you see about some, some of these novelists that's all they do is just sit in front of their computer and write all day, every day. It's like, no, no, my writing would be very boring and very dull and uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't make it. <laughs> it would be just fine. Believe me, guys. <laughs> but during the pandemic, unable to do that, I did find it was difficult to come up with some new, fresh, original ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding this particular project and some of the others that you've worked on together, um, do you find that being a couple, being together, has its advantages more than it does its challenges? Oh, very much so. Um, I was I, any couple that I talk to who works together, especially if they're in a newer relationship, I just tell them, "Don't worry, it will get easier." <laughs> Larissa and I, Larissa and I have been, we've been together seventeen years, so we kind of we we just have so much trust between yeah. each other. We have a shorthand between us 
that allows us to communicate in ways that people with less history wouldn't have. And on top of that, Larissa and we're best friends and we've been together 17 years. We've never had a fight. I mean, we disagree on things, but we mm -hmm. don't fight. And it, at first it was when you're dealing with artistic things and esoteric things, a lot of times you have to kind of like tread carefully when you're offering criticism, which mm -hmm. I did at first in our relationship. But now we have a trust in each other. Like I'm not going to criticize just to hear myself talk. If there's something that, that needs to be said, I'll say it in a way that allows Larissa to understand it. I, I, Larissa writes the stuff. I'm the editor of the muse and we go through things together once it's written to refine it like we did with the script to get it in filmable form. You know how people so. say that they're their own worst critic. I think that can be the case for me, but in that case, Craig is my CJ. CJ. I'm going to do this every <laughs> single interview, I swear. He is my second best critic. Um, but I trust him that because I know if he says, this is good, this is working, I know it truly is. And then as a director, I direct Larissa's work. In uh, 2013, Larissa wrote a musical. And uh, it, it was very, very good, based on Zenobia, the warrior princess of of Syria back in third century. Third century. Very nice. And uh, I, I understand Larissa's writing. I understand what she's trying to get across. And I have a, a, a way of interpreting her work that, that makes a lot of sense. So we have a lot of synergies between us, which is, it's really wonderful. And the fact that she and I are a husband and wife team heading up a production company, you know, we don't have any of that kind of like sexual impropriety nonsense that goes on with a lot of Hollywood stuff. You know what I mean? And there's no mm -hmm. ego between us where I have to worry. Is he saying this just because he has, you know, there's some kind of insecurity there or somebody has to prove something. There isn't that between yeah, us. The yeah. idea is just let's tell the best possible story. So our idea is that our production company, we want to set the tone at the top. Nobody will ever see anybody work harder than Larissa and I. You know, if we set that tone at the top, t people tend to fall into line behind you, especially if you do things with integrity. And we, we just have this idea like we're going to treat everybody with respect and humor and we're going to turn out the best quality work that we possibly can. And when you have those things, when you have those kind of attitudes going in, it really helps set the tone all the way through. So that's what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sounds great. Sounds almost <laughs> too good to be true. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I've been married for no, you know, sorry. how many years? It's true. It really is true. <laughs> you know, you know, we should have had him on, uh, you know, in February for our, you know, relationship goals. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, Wow. Uh, well, now that we found out about your, uh, you know, what you've worked on, as well as how well you work together, Mike, I think it's time to uh, strap them down and turn on the heat with the Geek Seat question. All right. All right, guys. You can answer these, each one for both of you guys, or you can actually just each one take turns. It's up to you guys. Can we play rock, paper, scissors with the answers? Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. You will win every time. <laughs> That's kind of a spoiler right there if he's going to win every time. So. so that's why we don't play it. Okay. There we go. Then. All right, then. You guys ready for your first question in the geek seat? Ready, yeah. ready. Let's rock. All right. What was your favorite geek out moment? Oh, my God. 
geek out moment. I, you know, for me, Larissa is a fine artist. If you watch our movie, she is, uh, she created the, the Baroque masterpiece that serves as the MacGuffin of our movie. And, uh, my favorite artist of all time is Frank Frazetta. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, so his, he basically invented the, uh, fantasy art genre. And I have all these Frazetta, uh, Frazetta books and all these different things. And I turned Larissa onto it and she's, she's taken inspiration from some of his paintings in creating her original works. So I think that's a pretty, probably a pretty, pretty big geek, geek out moment. Geek out me. moment. Are you talking about in life as regards to the, I got to narrow this down for me. No, I can't. <laughs> this is your segment. You can answer it any way you want. Make it as big I, I, or as little as you want. I'll exactly. answer for Larissa. It's you her could, cats. Could, it's yeah. her cats. It's her cats. Okay. Because I was going to say, you know, you could say, I had a really good bagel this morning. It was my favorite. <laughs> you know? um, I, um, I don't know. I remember. It's your cats. Just, there is just that. go on about your cats. <laughs> I was just thinking recently, a geek out moment when I was connecting the pieces between the suicide of Prince uh, Rudolf of Austro-Hungarian Empire with the eventual assassination of Franz Ferdinand in June of 1914. And how was oh, sure. World War I and World War II? But That's he, true. Franz Ferdinand wouldn't even be the heir at, if it wasn't for the assassination of Empress Sisi. But then before that, the we have the suicide of Prince Rudolf, who... Really, would he would have had such policies in place that World War One never would have even happened? No, exactly, because then Austria wouldn't have gotten involved, and right. And then France Ferdinand may have been set up. We don't know. I mean, it's all. That's one of my yeah. favorite stories to geek out about. Okay, <laughs> I'm a historian, so I understand that completely. So, wow, it's and like, it's completely relevant if you've seen The Kingsman. Exactly. You know what? I kind of was interested in that one. Did you guys like it? I know critics not so much, but audiences did. I saw it you had a review on it. It, 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 was, it. was it was fun. It was a good. It was a good popcorn yeah. movie. I if don't you, take wait, it seriously. No, you can't. You. If you look, if you watch Kingsman and are a historian, you'll be pulling your hair out because sure. it, it doesn't represent World War One all that well. But some of the things they have from it is just like, oh, this is good. This is great. And their portrayal of Rasputin was awesome. And the assassination at, you know, to start World War One was just awesome. They they pulled it off really really well. Huh. Well, I, I do have one geek out moment. Yeah. I would say in my life, wait, as more, in my more, career, wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Um, I but this, this CJ's <laughs> learning all this stuff about Larissa. <laughs> yeah. So um, I I think the one audition I wanted the most in my entire life was when I was 18 years old, and I had the opportunity to audition for um, a role in a play called Lost Land that was premiering at Steppenwolf that was set during World War One. And the role would be opposite John Malkovich. Wow. Whoa. That's I awesome. wanted that role more than any other role I'd ever auditioned for and I've auditioned for since. I didn't wow. get But this is oh. what I tell aspiring actors when, or in people when life doesn't give them what they want and they get majorly disappointed. Because that one, I, I wanted that one so bad. It's John oh, Malkovich, sure. guys. It's John Malkovich. Of course. <laughs> but a few She's months- getting geeky on us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see months- no problem at all with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few months later, I was cast in a show in which I met CJ here. And if I had been cast in that, mm. opposite John Malkovich, I never would have met my best friend and the love of my life. 
Oh, okay. So, That's perfect. But I just don't even, I can't imagine where I would be today because we've had our lives have been so intertwined for so long. I can't imagine where I would be if life had gone the way I wanted it to at that moment. So sometimes oh, sure. the universe doesn't give us what we want. It gives us what we need and what's best for us. I was about to say the exact same wow. thing. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. All right. Let's look at the flip side of that, though. You know, so, you know, we've talked about all positive stuff. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Oh, my gosh. When Trump got elected. Number one answer right there. No. <laughs> <laughs> disappointing geek out moment. Whoa, that might have been it. <laughs> At the time. Yes, I was John Malkovich. Yeah, I, my, you know, my life is filled with a lot of that type of thing, and I don't want to kind of, like, dredge it all up. But uh, I guess my, my biggest one is back in the day. So I was in the Navy for a long time. I was actually, I think I mentioned I was discovered by a talent agent. Did I just... Or is that the other yeah. way? Anyway. Um, so I got this audition to be the voice of Mr. Goodwrench. Hmm. Oh, that's which awesome. Was, yeah, which was, you know, really big back in the day. So this was back in the late 1980s. The salary for this job started at a quarter of a million dollars in 1989. So I went and did the audition, didn't think anything of it. And then I got a call from my agent. They want to see you again. And uh, I went in and I, I, I studied the words, I studied the lines, and there was, a, there was a panel. There was 10 casting directors all sitting in director's chairs, and I'm up on the stage. And I'm delivering my lines. And in order to be the voice of Mr. Goodwrench, all of the casting directors had to agree, basically like American Idol giving you a yes. So I'm going through all these casting directors, and they're all like, yeah, I like him, I like him, this is his voice has the resonance we need. There's all these positive comments. Got to the last one. It was a woman, and she said, no, I, I just don't see it. Whoa. And that was it. And then the other geek out moment, the other biggest disappointment was uh, several years ago, we went in. Larissa's been doing the Mortal Kombat games for a long time, and I've done a lot of voiceover work, and Larissa was telling everybody at Midway Games, you really need to hear my husband. You really need to audition him. And they're like, yeah, whatever, sure. Well, one day she had to go in, and she brought me along, and she said, you know what? We're going to surreptitiously get you a read. So she goes in, and they're like, oh, they are auditioning me yeah, for They were auditioning her for, for reading. So, so they're like, okay, your husband's here. We'll, we'll read him. So they put me in a soundproof uh, room, and I'm, do, I'm doing all my lines. And you can't hear anything in the soundproof booth because it's all closed off, and, mm -hmm. and there's foam everywhere. But the only thing you can see, there's a window that you can see up to the sound technician and the director and everything. And I'm delivering my lines, and this is what I'm seeing through the window. They're like... Well, you have to describe to the podcasters so, who can't see you emoting. Oh, okay. They're going, yeah. oh, my God, Remember, we're an audio so podcast, so not a video podcast. I see podcast. them through the window mouthing that, I'm, you know, that they're absolutely enthralled with what I'm doing. So uh, I get out of the sound booth, and they're like, they wrap their arms around me, and they're patting me on the back, and they're like, dude, you are going to be on our A-team. We're going to use you for all of our video games. And I was like, you know, the, the clouds parted, the angels sang, the harps played, you know. So this was on a Monday that they told me this, that I was going to be on their voiceover A-team. 
that Friday they went bankrupt and I never did a job for them. Oh, oh, oh. I'm so, so sorry. Oh, oh. I have a, I have a similar story to that, but I, I can't mention it on the air. Is that geeky disappointment enough for you guys? Oh, very much oh, yeah. so. Very, very. What geeks you out the most? Uh, her. Okay. Yeah. I think each other. I think, honestly, uh, being, That's awesome. married, being married for as long as we have, we've, we dream together. And you know, we we dreamt of making a movie together. We accomplished it. Larissa dreamt of, of of creating a musical. She did it. Her dream was to have me directed to bring her her vision to life. I did that. We dreamt of of owning a lake home. We live in a lake home. We live on a lake. I have a pier in my backyard. Um, we we've dreamt of being financially uh, secure. We've achieved that. There, we just that. Every day we start our day dreaming when we wake up and talking about things. And at the end of the day, when we go to bed, we talk about our day and our dreams. And we just, we, we kind of marinate in all of that all the time, I guess. Is that, yeah. and, and I mean, as far as like something that's a little smaller that uh, maybe our listeners can relate to a little bit more. I love geeking out about the little rabbit holes in history that I haven't heard about. You know, I, I feel so fortunate that I live in the era of Google. When anything that pops into your brain, you can go, hmm, what is that? Like I had uh, a few months ago, I had the name Tamerlane, Edgar Allan Poe poem. That just popped in my head. And I was like, Tamerlane, who the hell is Tamerlane? And I find myself, and, you know, finding his name was Timur, and he was this um, conqueror, I think, in the 12th century or whatever, 1200, somewhere around then. And, uh, you know, he's buried in Uzbekistan, and it's Google Earth. I'm going around this this exotic palace-like tomb that he's in, of touring Uzbekistan. And I'm just so excited that I discovered Tamerlane. So, guys, I have to tell you this. You that guys have seen awesome. the movie Halloween, That's... right? You, everybody's seen yeah. the movie, right? Yeah. So at the very end, when uh, Jamie Lee Curtis stabs the shape in the eye in the closet, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then he falls down, and he's laying in the background, and then you see Jamie Lee in the foreground crying, and then in the background, the shape just sits up like this. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know where you're going. (laughs) Three in the morning. This is the way it works in my house. Three in the morning, Larissa does her shape imitation in bed, straight out, straight out of a sound sleep. She does this. She sits straight up. And I'm like, ah! What did she think of this time? She gets up out of a sound sleep and she starts furiously writing down her notes so she doesn't forget because that might find its way into a future script. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. I love it. It's, it's unnerving because it's just like, sits right up. You never know. Have <laughs> you guys ever painted? Of course. We're so, I'm a visual artist, so yeah. All right. So you know what you you'll know what I'm talking about when I make this comparison. You know, you're talking about disappointment, and I was thinking of all the time, all the rejection that we all face. For me, as it's usually as a writer, when you get that letter back from an agent that you thought you successfully pitched to, and they're like, "No, we're not interested in your manuscript." We're starting a rejection letter collection. Yeah, all uh, that. That would make a great book, someday. actually. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Or from a film festival or for whatever it is. There's so much rejection. Um, yeah. And for me, a few years back, it was that I worked so hard on this um, TV series, a travel series. And finally, after all these rejections and all these years of work and filming and filming and filming around the world and doing all this labor, making all these videos, finally got the connection, got it to travel. And it went all the way up the ladder 
And then at the very last, it was rejected. Oh. And then the and the production company I was partnering with was pretty much, yeah, we're not going to send anywhere else. Bye-bye. You're gone. Yep. Mm. And I fell into this, you know, deep depression. And it was shortly thereafter that Craig decided... CJ. CJ. (laughs) (laughs) CJ decided, we are going to make your movie. And this was something I never would have been brave enough to consider doing, because this monumental task, climbing Everest every step of the way for the last four years, um, until that rejection happened. It took, Lar- it took the rejection of that show, and I saw what Larissa was going through, where when you... Because you put three and a half years of your life into yeah. something after mm-hmm. so many years of laboring to get there. But for your listeners out there, listeners who have a really solid, unbreakable bond with their partner, the Larissa's emotional distress, it hurts my heart. And... When I read her script from The Misadventures of Mistress Manier, as a director, I saw it. You know, when you read a good script as a director, you're able to see how the scenes are going to run, how they're going to be constructed, how you're going to do it. And I saw it. And uh, so what we did is we actually flipped a house and we made a, con- a reasonable profit on it. And we channeled all of those profits back into this movie. But I, I came back to Larissa after working with our director of photography on a different project, and I realized I could work with this guy, and I came home, and I said, we're making your movie. And Larissa was like, wait, what, 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 what? We're doing what? <laughs> and uh, I said, we're going to do it, and we're going, to, we're going to invest in ourselves. I could have put that money in investments, whatever, and we decided that we were going to invest in ourselves, and I was going to do something for Larissa to where... 20, 25 years from now, even if nothing else happens, we will know that we did it. And yeah. and I will have helped her make a lifelong aspiration come true. But that goes back to that idea of failing forward, how everything that you go through that's a setback, you build on for your eventual success. Yeah. So you've seen it with painting. Do you ever like make, you think it's a mistake, like, oh my God, the color, the tonal value, whatever, it's totally off. But that layer underneath all of the other eventual layers adds more dimension that that would only be there. It, it, it wouldn't have been there if you hadn't, quote unquote, made a mistake. No, sure. It totally makes total sense. And I find that with life. You know, like think about all the setbacks and all the, quote unquote, mistakes or the no's that you received. But that made you pivot into a, an eventual direction to build an even greater empire of life on. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. And that actually even leads into our next question for you. Oh, oh, oh there's a, but wait, there's more. But wait, that's <laughs> not all. I don't even know if they're at the halfway point now. No, they're not yet. Oh, no. <laughs> what turns your geek off, guys? What turns my geek off? Uh, reality television. Uh, I agree with that one. for me it's people who have no self-consciousness whatsoever and they're they're self-awareness self-awareness we live in northwest indiana which is a weird place because a lot of the people here are they come from illinois and they have esoteric backgrounds and things like that but then there's also a lot of people here who exemplify the MAGA crowd and uh, seeing that and experiencing it is it's it's it makes my head explode quite a bit. I have to say. 
For me, it's people who don't want to talk about the, and this has nothing to do with political affiliation, but people who don't want to talk about something deeper and greater in life. I love talking um, Eastern philosophy, um, not to be, not to be uh, holier than thou, but to talk, you know, we all face these fundamental questions of what makes life worth living. And um, people who only want to exist in the shallow, it kind of hurts my heart sometimes because I, that I can't always connect to them. But I know it's just a stage of their personal evolution as well. So we've all had that feeling where we just feel like we're a fish out of water. I think every geek everywhere has felt that way, that nobody understands what they're passionate about and what truly gives meaning to the world to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Now that we're making movies, it's like I, when I was doing theater... It was in the suburbs of Chicago, and we did really high-quality productions. It was great. But it was on a micro level. So our, our, our tribe was was very local. Now that we're making movies, the people that we identify with the most are national and international. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult once you get into the – once you start getting into the kind of like echelon that we find ourselves working in these days, locally around here, we're literally, you know – there are very few of us. So it, 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 there's very few people who can relate to the process and the journey. Exactly. And, and relate just as artists because there's not a lot of that around here as well. So that, 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 that's distressing to me. As Isolation. Well. I think that's a way of summing it up. There's a saying that we always go by with art, without art, we are just apes with car keys and guns. Wow. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Wow. This is deep. This is awesome. I love it. <laughs> this is great. This is just awesome. Yeah, but you don't know that you're talking to the village idiot here and the big brain. So, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're talking to Pinky and the brain. Got it. Yes. Erica, there yeah. you go. Or Roger and Jessica Rabbit. One genius, one. the others and things. <laughs> I love Pinky and the brain. Right now, brain. Got it. No. <laughs> what fictional character would you guys like to meet the most? What fictional character? Jean-Luc Picard. Really? <laughs> that okay, didn't that didn't take long at all. <laughs> <laughs> CJ, what about you? I don't know. I, I can't say fictional, honestly. Uh, I, I, honestly, the person I'd want to meet more than anybody is Bruce Springsteen, frankly. Yeah. Well, that's fair. In some ways, the boss is bigger than life. So <laughs> That is pretty awesome. That is That's cool. What uh, fictional character would you guys not like to meet? Oh, my goodness. Mm. Fictional character I wouldn't like to meet. I guess Satan. Yeah, and that's <laughs> true fiction right there. That's, uh, I don't know. It's hard know? to hard I think I think Satan that. because Satan is that. Yeah. So many years ago, I did a play called The Last Days of Judas Iscariot, uh, written by a fabulous playwright, Stephen Adley Girgis. Uh, Stephen Adley Girgis was a uh, head writer on Sopranos, and he was also the head writer of a, of a show recently that was on HBO called The Get Down. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. So Sam Rockwell was actually in the premiere yeah. of this show oh. off-Broadway. Sam and- Rockwell starred in it, and Philip Seymour Hoffman directed the premiere. I wow. directed it about 10 years ago, and uh, it had a lot of it, – it, it approached religious doctrine and dogma – in a way that I've never seen before. 
And uh, part of that play was when Satan came to testify against Judas Iscariot. And uh, there was a conversation going on that Satan didn't exist, that it was a figment of the human, uh, the human existence. And if you chose to change the way you think that Satan doesn't exist. So that's why I think it's a fictional character. I think Satan exists in all of us metaphorically as part of the human condition, just as the, you know, they just, just as the, there's good things in everybody. There is evil things in everybody. What about you guys? Yeah. I'm interested. What fictional characters would you not want to <laughs> yeah, meet? We're interviewing you now. You guys will have to go we, back we to listen to our episodes. We had discussions right, like clearly. 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. They, it would be interesting to do it now, though, Mike, at some point, because because I'm sure all our answers have changed. Oh, um, Star Wars and Ice is still there. So, <laughs> that's a whole. That's a whole, That was my most disappointing geek album. But that's different. <laughs> what is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Geek word: pulchritudinous. Wow, that didn't take that, long. <laughs> No, that came uh, pretty easily for you to say. Well, well, because I'm married to that. <laughs> you hear the word pulchritudinous and you think it's like a colon polyp, but it isn't. It's a- <laughs> wow. I'm like, yeah, do they have a cream for that? I'm like, what is that? <laughs> it stopped itching after I got that. <laughs> yeah, everybody starts doing the butt dance now after I say that. But pulchritudinous means highly attractive and desirable, but it doesn't sound like it. No. For me, not, my, my favorite word, like word is actually my favorite style of art and design, and it's a central theme of the our entire film, and it's uh, chiaroscuro. So it's the juxtaposition of light and dark. So we mm-hmm. see that in the works of uh, the Baroque master Caravaggio, and in um, our movie, uh, it centers the, around the, this Caravaggio-like painting. That I can go get painted. it. Would you guys like to see it? I'll bring well, it. Well, they can't. They can't. They can't they, your listeners can't listen. We, to our it. listeners can't. <laughs> but it's but it's okay. It's no, they have to watch. They have to watch. I'm under the false impression that this is going to be visual. We'll give them. It's just another reason to watch the movie. And dark extremes. Um, you know, having that extreme pathos and drama with extreme lighthearted comedy, having um, a Episcopal priest alongside a dominatrix, anything can happen. And there's so much drama when you have that either visually, metaphorically, or in any other context. So, chiaroscuro. I love it. Love That's, it. That is awesome, guys. <laughs> that, what is your ideal geek occupation? Well, when I was younger, I was a I was an actual real rock star, and uh, if I could, if I could have Bruce Springsteen's career, I would like that. That would that would allow me to geek out. Sure. Okay, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, uh, Larissa. Travel uh, host with a history show would be great, but I've also found how much I love video editing because there's especially when it comes to working with music. So that was the most enjoyable and life-affirming process of um, all of production for me. Because as a writer, that's the one element that films have that you cannot fully capture as a writer. Because it's the written word. But to have that music alongside your words that truly... uh, 
immerses the viewer in the experience and in the emotions of what they're experiencing. There's nothing like it. We had an incredible composer out of LA, Lisa Liu, and her, she and I worked tirelessly together, 12 hours together on Christmas day, cutting everything together. But when you lay that music in just perfectly um, and the perfect frame that you have that perfect cut or, or moment of action with that hit in the music or that drum and everything just coalesces beautifully and you feel that surge of emotion and you know that your viewers will too there's nothing like that feeling yeah larissa larissa did an absolutely astounding job with the music she actually wrote an original song I did the kind lyrics. Of like serves, well, she wrote the lyrics and then worked with Lisa on the, uh, Lisa on the did, music. Lisa did the actual music. But yeah. it serves as a, there's a continuum of, of, of that song that serves as the theme throughout the film. And uh, Lisa, Lisa created all original music, and uh, she, we used a couple of older classical pieces that we didn't have to pay rights for to put in the film. And the Valdez and Smetana. She did all of the instrumentation, and it's very rare that you come across an indie film like ours with with such stunning, perfect music. And Lisa and Larissa created that. So I found that you know, even though there's nothing glamorous about being an editor at all, it was deeply um, life affirming. I'll say again, there was nothing nice. like it. It was just addictive. Okay, what kind of geek occupation would you guys not like to do? I would not want Mike Rowe's job. Dirty jobs. Oh, dirty jobs. Is, oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. I smelled that through the TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't want to uh, try out roller coasters if there is a See, that's thing. so No, weird. no. With Larissa no. and I, we were married for 17 years. I love roller coasters. Hate she hates that. roller coasters, so it's tough. It's tough. I wouldn't no. want to work at an amusement park yeah. at all. You know, the Universal Studios, any of those Disney. I, 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 I no, no, I can't do theme parks. We were at Universal all. a few years ago. I insisted we go. It was like the coldest day in Orlando's history. It was raining it was in forty awful. degrees. It was awful, <laughs> awful. I tried to get her on a roller coaster. She looked at me like I had a penis growing out of my forehead. Wow. <laughs> I have kind of a, a slight terror of things. I'm not. No. It was not happening. <laughs> yeah, I am. We have cats, and I am definitely the turn into the cat when it comes to me. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay, are you guys ready for your final question? In the we are ready. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Okay, this is for all the marbles, folks. So this is for everything. Do we get a T-shirt if we answer it right? <laughs> no, but you'll have our respect and love. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's worth more than any shirt. Yes. That's true. <laughs> What is your ultimate geek fantasy? For me, it would be to have Larissa's career recognized for all of her incredible talents and for us to continue to make better movies that reach a wider audience and have an impact on their hearts and their minds. That's awesome. That's beautiful, actually. Well, I I, I guess I would, you know, that's, that's, broad and esoteric and that would ex- express my feelings as well for you know both of us but i have this just idea of what you know what are the happiest moments i've had in my life and they've generally been with good friends that i feel safe with that i have memories with sitting around playing settlers of Catan or ticket to ride 
That's and geeky. That's yeah. really geeky. <laughs> I just did. I just did that on Saturday with friends, so I do know what you're yeah. saying. So I think what I think what would be happiest it would be. Um, I would love to go uh, back to one of my favorite cities on Earth, Budapest, um, with people I love, and be able to sit around and play a game and laugh. You know, it's just those simple pleasures of being in a beautiful place with people that make life worth living. We have another geek. We have another geek goal, actually. Um, this, this is a little bit more. This is a little bit more down to earth, though. Um, when we made our film, we we were under the delusion that we would actually make money with it. <laughs> <laughs> I did that when I first started podcasting, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so my very ironic laugh. <laughs> um, but we would we would like to have an animal rescue farm. I oh, that's love, awesome! Yeah, I love John Stewart. I'm sure you guys do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my humor tends to uh, go toward the subver- subversive and sarcastic, which is right. Like John Stewart's one of my man crushes, but his wife has an animal farm, animal rescue farm over in New Jersey. I know. Yeah, and I would love, love, love to do something like that as well. That is awesome. That would be awesome. That's my wife's fantasy too. So I do understand that. But you're, you're halfway there, Mike. Yes, <laughs> I am. It's just, the, if you and I put our houses together, we would be, we would be there. We would be there. <laughs> it would literally really be like cats and dogs living. Together. Yeah, it would, it would be cats and dogs living. Together. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're dogs. He's cats. So there you go. Nice. Well, well, Larissa and CJ, we got some great news for you. You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Huzzah, huzzah, huzzah. Mr. Michael Gordon, tell everyone what they won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network. A oh, yes. value easily worth it. I was hoping for this. We won. It really was. A That's value crazy. easily worth $6.08. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. Okay, we've so, actually uh, I've actually had people though write me afterwards and say, "Hey, thanks for having me in the geek seat. How do I get my subscription that you guys promised me?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, just go onto Apple, click subscribe. It's boom, you're done. It's that easy. It's that easy, um, guys. It has been a blast having you on the show. We really appreciate your time. Um, the movie is the Misadventures of Mistress Maneater. Yes, you said it uh, all correctly the first time. It was amazing. <laughs> he, pra- um, he should have heard him practicing before you guys I came know, out. I know it's available through, uh, I believe, Amazon. Is that correct? It's on Prime. It's on Tubi. For it's free? on Apple TV. It's on YouTube. It's on IMDb TV. It's on Google Play. So here's what I'd like to say about that. Please watch our movie. You're going to love it. I promise you. It's, it's a really uh, unexpected a movie that you'll really enjoy. There's a lot of belly laughs. If you love it, rate it. Give us a review on IMDb or on Prime. Tell all your friends to watch it and do the same. If you hate our movie, tell all your enemies to watch it. <laughs> we have that, plenty that, of both, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fair. Um, in addition to that, we'll have a link to that on our show notes. Anything else you want to uh, have? Uh, is there a link to your uh, where people can follow what you guys are doing next? Uh, on Facebook, you can on Facebook and Instagram. It's at Mistress Maneater Movie. Okay, and you can follow all of our exploits there. I handle all the social media, so if you have questions for us or anything like that, you want to write us, I'll be I'll be the one writing you back. And uh, yeah, so 
that's it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been a real us. pleasure. I love hanging out with the geeks. Hey, thank you guys so much. And then the next time you're on another interview, I like hanging out with the sports guys. I love it. I, you know, when it comes to sports, I think I could talk about men's figure skating from 2002, and that's about it. Perfect. That's our spinoff podcast. How'd you know? Yeah. Talk about Brian Boitano. She's all over it. When you guys have a relationship podcast, call us. We'd love to join in on that. Never know. We're talking about that already, but that's a whole different story for another time. But let's take a quick break and we are going to be back and we are going to be talking all about Hawkeye. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. We are now officially in the doldrums of January when there's really not a lot new coming out in theaters. And I think that's made even worse by the Omicron variant surging. So studios aren't really wanting to release a lot of their new bigger tentpole movies during this time. I think an example of that is the superhero movie Morbius which was originally scheduled to come out in January, but now has been shifted to later in the spring. This is one of those movies that has been postponed, I can't remember how many times due to the pandemic. We were supposed to have seen it a long time ago, and I have no idea if it's going to be any good or not. I probably will go to see it, actually, which I wasn't interested in the beginning because it looks like it's a little more into the horror side of the superhero genre and I can tend to be kind of squeamish but I am curious about it particularly since Sony and Disney are being more cooperative now in how they play with the idea of the multiverse and blending their different superhero universes in No Way Home. So I feel like maybe it is important to see Morbius because you don't know when these characters are going to be showing up in an MCU movie. And I am really excited to see them working together and sharing these characters in these universes and the idea of multiverse is that not everything necessarily has to take place in the same timeline but you can kind of pick and choose characters and stick them into different events based on what's going on with the multiverse over on streaming it is book of boba fett season i'm really enjoying it so far it's a lot different than i expected it was going to be but i think that's kind of exciting you don't want content that's just same old same old and just checks all the boxes that everyone had guessed ahead of time. So I'll be curious to really evaluate that one once we have the whole product together. That's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content over on the ESO podcast blog, I'm actually starting a new series of 2022 entertainment challenges. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm challenging myself to get outside the box a little bit, watch stuff that's from different genres that I typically delve into, types of movies that I might not necessarily get around to seeing. So I'm really excited to kind of push myself a little bit creatively this year. It was the dawn of another podcast. The Epsilon 3 is a dream given form. It's a home away from home for three guys to watch a 90s sci-fi classic TV show. Three guys with microphones over 3,249 miles apart, all alone in the night. The year is 2021. The name of the station is Babylon 5. The name of the podcast is the Epsilon 3. Veer, bring me a drink. 
This is the first Christmas we've had together in years. I love you guys. I'm making up for some lost time. Authorities are wondering if the masked vigilante who terrorized the city's underworld is back. The past has caught up with me. Should we be worried? No, no, it's nothing. I'll be home for Christmas. I promise. It's the When I wore this suit, I made a whole lot of enemies. You're a Hawkeye! Who the hell are you? Some people have actually called me the world's greatest archer. Are you one of those people? It's the most wonderful. Hey, babe, I should be back in a day or two. Hang on a second. With the kids Things have gotten more complicated. This is too dangerous. Definitely not this one. You'll have to say definitely like that. Christmas. Welcome back to Earth Station One. All right, folks, it's time to talk all about Hawkeye, the new series from Marvel. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And so grab your bows and arrows and even your trick arrows are welcome here tonight. Take it away, Mikey. Yes, we will try to try to stay on target with the fifth and final series that Marvel put out on Disney plus. It's amazing to me that just saying it out loud five series. Now I granted, I think they were supposed to be dispersed between two years, but, um, but because of, you know, things being what they were, the world being what it is, Thanks, uh, COVID. We, got, we got them all in one year. And, uh, and yes, so, so Hawkeye was the uh, final one, and we've got some folks to join us with it, uh, uh, join us to talk all about it. Um, I think this guy's been hanging around. Like, I think he got lost when he tried to exit the station or something a few weeks ago. But uh, Steve is still here with us on the station. Hey, Steve. Still looking for that exit door. <laughs> it's good to have you join us, though. Thank you, sir. Glad to be back. And we've also got with us uh, our good friend, Julie, Julie Philippek. Julie, welcome back to the station. Hello, everyone. And it's- welcome back to the MCU. Yes, always MCU. If it's not MCU, it's Doctor Who. Those are the only ones. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, is there an order, uh, a priority, or is they both equal? I mean, given that I have that other podcast, Doctor Who has to come first. <laughs> Gotcha. Understandable. Understandable. Did, An- did Anthony make you say that? or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since we're being re- recorded publicly uh, and it's going to be public release, like she has to say that. We get it. We get it. All right. So uh, Hawkeye. Uh, some say this is a series that nobody wanted, but they produced anyway. Um, what were your thoughts going in to this series um, about the character? Um, and what were your just real quick overview of your expectations after watching it? Uh, Julie, we'll start with you. 
I personally think Hawkeye gets a bad rep. Uh, I like him. I understand. The character. Yes, the character. Yeah. Um, he, he he doesn't have superpowers. Okay, we get it. But guess what? He's better than the average person with a bow and arrow, so he's got something going on. But he really does have just this personality where I don't know necessarily that I call him necessarily the heart of the team, but there's just something to him that people feel more grounded when he's there. Um, and, you know, being able to befriend people like Natasha um, and Wanda and, and everyone. So it's just, I was looking forward to it. I was, after Loki came out, it was kind of nice to go back and jump into something that was a little bit more, you know, down to earth and much more, you know, ground level, so to speak. And, you know, kind of reminded me a little bit kind of of the Netflix shows where it's also a little bit more grounded, street level, everything's just happening here. Uh, And so I, I like those kind of stories. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we'll talk about it in more detail. Obviously, um, it's really important because we are going to spoil this, by the way. If we haven't (laughs) mentioned it already, we are going to spoil the series uh, and what happens certainly um, in all the episodes, if not the ending. Uh, We may even spoil some other MCU stuff. So go go in to this this, uh, review with uh, that notice. Anyway... um, but yeah, uh, within the second episode, I really got a Netflix MCU vibe from this show. And I guess because it's street level, as you mentioned, it's set in New York City. But I fully expected to see like Jessica Jones or or Luke Cage just walking by down the street, you know, or something like that. Like it just seemed like it was set in that kind of environment. Or Matt Murdock. Hinted, or nudge, even, nudge. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So um, real quick before we move on, did you were you familiar with Clint Barton or Hawkeye in the comics at all? Or was the MCU experience your only experience with him? Uh, he was my first experience. I've done like some kind of research and things like that. I'm familiar with the, you know, lone Clint Barton with his dog in that apartment just by himself, just living in a little bit of squalor in <laughs> um, some of those uh, story arcs. Um, so I'm kind of a mix, but more MCU than comics. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Steve, what's your history with Hawkeye and what were your expectations going in? So history with Hawkeye, um, go, we go way back. Um, I remember (laughs) I was 12, uh, 12 years old, fifth grade. Um, you know, that year we had secret wars, which, you know, of course, you know, featured Hawkeye a lot. We had, uh, the West Coast Avengers, which I was automatically drawn to simply because, you know, I have, I've just fell in love with that character. I think he was, the, was he the leader of that team? Correct. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was the, uh, the leader. And, you know, I have always, first of all, my favorite probably Disney cartoon ever was, you know, Robin Hood, you know, the, the fox. And so just that whole archery thing really, um, resonated with me i guess i I just always loved that robin hood type character um and now granted while green arrow presented more of that hawkeye was kind of that as well for me so um really fell in love with hawkeye early on um the whole reason i picked up you know solo avengers uh, was strictly because of uh hawkeye and uh, I've, I've still got every issue. So <laughs> um, as far as expectations for the show, uh, I was I was disappointed in what we got out of Hawkeye overall in the movie. 
um, simply again because he was always always been one of my favorite characters, and so having him um, up front and kind of putting the spotlight on him um, was more more kind of a redemption kind of for me um, to to see that that character that I've always loved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, and, uh, and your overall view going after watching it, did it succeed? Oh, it, it, it hit a home run. It really, <laughs> really did. Awesome. Awesome. Mike, what about you? It's interesting because, you know, I have a long experience with Hawkeye. I've been reading Hawkeye, you know, in the Avengers and he was also a defender at one point. He was also, you know, he was a, when I, he first appeared, he was a bad guy. He was a villain for Iron Man. And, you know, then he became one of, you know, he was in the first changeup of teams and became an Avenger um, way back when in the 1960s. And he's gone through different identities. He was Goliath for a little bit. And it was just interesting to see. And then I read the Hawkeye miniseries when it came out originally. And that was the first time, you know, they, you know, played with uh, Clint needing a hearing aid. And, you know, he's also his relationship with Bobby, who, no, and that's Mockingbird, for those who don't know. And then he became the leader of the West Coast Avengers for a bit. And it was, you know, I've followed his career. But it's interesting, as I later and later I got out of comics, but I kept on hearing about the Matt Fraction series and how much fun it was and how they introduced Kate Bishop. And it was like, Oh, this sounds kind of interesting. And then the movies came out and I, unlike Steve, I did like his portrayal and I liked how he was, you know, he wasn't a superhero. He was a shield agent and he just happened to use arrows and stuff as his form of weapons. But he was also an expert at, hand-to-hand combat and he had a history with Natasha and it was just really cool to see, especially in the first movie. And then in age of Ultron, they introduced his family and that gave him even more depth and everything, which was even, which was a ton of fun. And then when they, you know, they went through the whole thing with him, Ronan and everything. And then when they announced that he was having his own series, I was, excited for it because I was curious to see, you know, what they were going to do with the character because he wasn't deep by any means in the movies, but it was like, Oh, maybe they'll give him a little more dimension and everything. And I was very pleased with what they did. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, um, I, I could say my history goes back with him far because I do remember him in my childhood, uh, reading, Spidey, Spidey Super Stories um, as a kid, and uh, there's one of my issues that has this cover um, of Spider-Man and Hawkeye. Uh, they've got this huge bow and arrow that they're um, that they're going to launch at uh, some missile or something that's flying through the air. Um, it's a really cool cover. If you guys can see it, it's, uh, I think it's issue. Um, uh, I'm not sure actually. Uh, so <laughs> sorry. I, 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 my memory doesn't go far that far back, but um, it's, it's a really cool cover. Um, but I didn't outside of his team ups occasionally with Marvel team ups with Spider-Man. I, I didn't really know much about him. I was not an Avengers reader. I was not a big Marvel reader outside of Spider-Man very much. 
So really, um, my exposure to him was from the MCU and also through the, uh, the Hawkeye uh, series that came out recently that was written by uh, Matt Fraction with um, Ed Brubaker did, did some work in the beginning. And then later on, Jeff Lemire came in. And those are three comic writers that I have absolutely tremendous respect for. And, um, and that series was really fun, uh, featured not just Clint, but also, uh, Kate Bishop, who had been introduced uh, already as part of one of the young Avengers. And, uh, I didn't know much about her, but the relationship between Kate and, and Clint were great, was great. Uh, by, at that time in the comics, they're both going under the name Hawkeye. Uh, because I think Hawkeye had disappeared for a while. Clint did. So well, Kate took up on the yeah. moniker, right? Well, Clint yeah. died. He got well, killed. Yeah. He uh, got by killed. Then he got better. Which, yeah. But, <laughs> well, as, as everyone does. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so. And it was interesting, too, because when they brought him back, he came back as Ronan originally. Yeah. I do and, remember that, although there's a number of characters that have played that have been Ronan um, he, in the he, comics as well. Yeah, but he was the original Ronan um, in the new Avenger series. Right, and, right. And so, you know, and that's where they based for the whole thing with um, in Endgame. And then it, so it was pretty cool to see. And it has implications here, too, like yes. in this series. So we oh, find out. Um, so. So yeah, I I was not you know look with the all the Avengers getting it's hard to give them all equal time. I think Clint did okay uh, as far as competing with uh, screen space with the rest of them. Um, I think sometimes the the character does get a bad rap, as Julie kind of mentioned, um, just because he is the one without superpowers. Um, you know, uh, you know what, how much, you know, he gets the same kind of crap that green arrow does. Like, what can you do with it? You're going to run out of uh, boat arrows at some point, you know, that kind of thing. What do you do? Like, it's just all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I think despite the fact that, you know, he, it, I think they, the MCU has done a really good job at keeping him as a, as his own thing and a, a semi, you know, pretty original character. He's not just a copy of say green arrow. He's not just a copy of, or they're not just banking on the, the popularity of the, uh, uh, um, what are those movies with Jennifer Lawrence with the, you know, Hunger uh, games. Yes, Hunger the games. Hunger games, you know, like for a while, like the bow and arrow was like the hot weapon that everybody had. Right. So like um, from Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and so, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's separate enough. Um, you know, we first see him in what, Thor, right? Um, the first Thor movies when we first see him, which is pretty cool. Um, but he, he turns out to be a pretty important character throughout most. He gets important stuff to do. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, his, certainly his, his character arc, his story arc, particularly the, the last time we see him before the series, which is an endgame is uh troublesome you know because it's like if you're a natasha fan you probably hate clint barton <laughs> you know like, like it's just um you know it's got to be one or the other and uh you know there's still people out there arguing which one it should have been um which this series addresses as well um so this series I, I I didn't have any question that it was going to be good because I've learned not to question anything that Marvel does. It's just it's a, if it's an MCU thing, it's going to be good, um, you know, um, and, and for the most part, uh, you know, I haven't been disappointed at all. So 
even though this was the fifth series that they were producing in one in one year, I was like, okay, well, this is it's based largely. It looked like to me off the Matt Fraction series, which I loved. And so um, I had confidence that it could be fun just if the casting was right with Kate Bishop, because I didn't know anything about that actress. And uh, I also didn't know what to expect as far as anything else about it. So I went in pretty much blind from that um, and was really like from the first episode on, they had me, you know, from the Avengers, the musical. I was like, OK, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I've, you know, this is great. I, I love this. This is awesome. Uh, you know, let's, let's keep going. And, and I really like the Netflix, uh, MCU. Um, I know that right now, or since, you know, Disney's taken over that Netflix is kind of one of those things that it's probably gone. Obviously where they're finding new and creative ways to integrate it to the MCU. I don't, I don't know how much of it, it was planned, but I do find it interesting that two characters from the Netflix MCU made their debut in the MCU in the same week, you know, one on Hawkeye <laughs> and one in Spider-Man No Way Home. And they are arch enemies of one another. Like, how, like what are the odds? Like, <laughs> um, so, um, but also, and I was really um, excited too, and we'll talk about this a little bit, um, about the introduction of Echo. Um, I followed that run uh, with of Daredevil that uh, I believe uh, um, Brian Michael Bendis wrote and David Mack uh, helped create the character of Echo. And I really liked her as well. So the introduction of her into the MCU was really cool too. So it's a, kind of a Daredevil story being told from a Hawkeye's point of view. Um, but, um, so I liked all that. I liked it a lot. I liked the casting. Um, Julie, where did you, what, what particularly, um, is something that you liked about this series that worked for you? Oh, what worked for me? Um, I mean, I, I loved Kate Bishop. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie. I, I no, really, it's a great place to start. Yes. Really enjoyed her just from the get go. She's like, Oh, hey, my friends have <laughs> said, hey, you need to go do this thing. And and she just gets in trouble immediately. And it's not even, she didn't mean to, just accidents happen. I think accidents just follow her around. And I just want that to continue. <laughs> just bad things. Because um, I, think, I think if you don't have superpowers... You do need a fair amount of luck on your side. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's like you can spend all day learning all the different fencing tech- techniques, all the different hand-to-hand, all of that kind of stuff. But when you don't have superpowers and you're going up against some of these villains, it, it just you need some luck, man. Um, but I really enjoyed her. I liked the like semi-strained relationships that she had with her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how that strain kind of continued through the entire series. And obviously if we, t- you know, she t- turns out that the mom is, is not a good woman, uh, not really terribly surprising, but kind of good to see. And, um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And just her persistence. She's like a <laughs> dog with a bone and she's like, okay, okay. 
but Hawkeye, but Hawkeye, you're my friend. You're my friend. Please, I want to be friends with you, and I want you to teach me. And it just I sort uh, of blocked that number eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those where it could have gotten really, really annoying, but she played it well enough so that it didn't go so over the top that I was just like, okay, can we make her stop? It, it was a good balance, and I I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, Haley Steinfeld was really good, um, and I I you know I'd seen her. I don't know if it was her, de- her debut, but I'd seen her years ago when she was in the movie True Grit, the remake. Uh, but she was so young then; I had pretty mm-hmm. much forgotten about her, and I don't think I'd seen her in anything since. And and I would not have picked her to play Kate Bishop uh, based on the character that I knew from the comics, but yet she's perfect. She's she she played it perfectly. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's got that, that you're right. She's persistent in an annoying level, but yet she's likable. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not an easy thing to do. You've got to be like, you know, you've got to portray someone likable and likable enough that we, as the audience are like, not like, yeah, we don't want to see her. <laughs> um, we don't want to block her number. <laughs> right. Um, uh, what are your other, what, what's, what do you what do you guys think about uh uh the other um hawkeye have we has she got a name yet character name not on the show yeah <laughs> no no right she's still she's still hawkeye it light right or hawkeye junior or whatever or as, as uh, the other black widow kept on calling her yes kate bishop <laughs> yes kate bishop right yes. right uh steve what did you think of kate bishop Definitely enjoyed the character. I have not actually had the pleasure of reading the, the Matt Fraction books. Um, got out of comics uh, a few years back as kids get older and resources go other directions. Sure. Uh, definitely would love to, to pick that up. But where I do um, know Kate Bishop from is the Young Avengers, um, you know, like 2005, I think, uh, was when that came out. And um, really enjoyed th- that series of, of the interpretation of a younger group of, of heroes taking up the mantle, as you will. Um, but yeah, she did a really good job. I think the chemistry uh, between you know Clint mm-hmm. and Kate is just something that was so well done. I mean, it just um, yeah. e- you know Clint, um, even though you know. While she was almost you know, pestering per se, Clint he was like annoyed but not so annoyed. You know, <laughs> he he was kind of enjoying it too. I think so. Um, it, it was a really good um, chemistry between between the two. Ultimately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to go home to my family. <laughs> It was interesting because Clint was kind of the straight man to her quite a few different times. Sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, he's the, you know, I mean, so much, so many of these movies, especially when you're talking about martial arts or superhero journeys or whatever with the hero, you've got your mentor, right? Um, And you've got your uh, sensei, whatever you want to call him. And so he kind of fulfills that role, although he's, you know, (laughs) he doesn't want to, right. He's a reluctant one at that. Um, by the way, I strongly, strongly recommend you guys as well as anybody else out there, if you like the Hawkeye series, uh, to go and check out not only Mac Fraction's run on Hawkeye, which starts with Fraction and Brubaker writing it, 
uh, David Aja, uh, Aja does the artwork. And then Jeff Lemire takes over after Fraction is done, and it's still pretty awesome. Uh, and then Kelly Thompson writes a um, – a, uh, does a standalone Kate Bishop series, which has all been collected. And it's really, really good. Um, and you get to find out more about her mother. And, yeah, her mother's not uh, – uh, if you read the comics, you're not surprised that in the series, her mother has some some questionable associations. That's for sure. Um, although they turn out quite a different uh, like it, like they do in the MCU. It's like they take what the comics does. They twist it ever so slightly so that even comic fans don't quite know what to expect. Um, but, uh, Steve, what was something else, either a character or some other story arc about the series that you like and that you enjoyed? Um. Some of the breakout characters, if you will, uh, the New York City LARPers. Um, oh, they were so much fun. Oh, my gosh. That I was... laughed so hard uh, at that episode. Um, you know, he didn't drink the potion. He didn't. I, I can't believe. And and when they're starting the sword fight and, the, you know, the one dude's like, cling, cling, cling. It just, oh, I was I was dying laughing because there are so many friends in, in my life that I could see them doing that. Um, it was just, I, I, I had a blast with that. What I loved with them too, is they kept bringing them back, but in like meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. It was like, Oh, we need you to create these costumes. And they did, they came through and they were amazing. And then it was, okay, we need help at, you know, after we're doing this fight and we need to make sure people can get out of the way and be safe and they do it and they succeed. And that's why I really liked this. Not just like having loppers. Cause they could have been a one episode, one and done. Could have been a one a joke laugh, thing. Right. But they didn't go that way. And um, in the end that helps, you know, like some people, um, you know, in real life, it's like, oh, I'll, I can do the slapping thing, but I can also do things that are impactful and good. So, mm-hmm. I, and I, it, it almost became where they were a just a a resource for, you know, uh, Clint and, and and Kate. You know, where she's like, are we going to the hideout? Is it at uh, or to the <laughs> safe house? Is it at Avengers Tower? And he's like, you know, Tony sold that years ago, and <laughs> you know, you 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 really realize that. Clint is just, he's a man on his own Mm -hmm. and he doesn't have the huge resources that, you know, Stark has or anything like that. And so to see him in that level, um, building his own little world there, it's, I I really had a, had a blast watching this whole series. One of the things that we've definitely, that I've definitely noticed post end game. I mean, all of these, all these shows, I believe most of them are set, what, four years into our, what our current future, right? Because they, five years after the, right. right. The, well, right now it's, um, this, I think it was supposed to take place in 2024. So two years from right. now. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, um, so it's in quote unquote our future or whatever, but uh, they've not explained at all, like, that there or they've not told us that the uh, that there's any avengers so right now we have to assume because all these characters are on their own doing their own thing whether it, whether it's wanda or whether it's um uh falcon uh now captain america 
um, Winter Soldier, now Hawkeye, they're just on their own doing their own thing. There's no, there's no organized, uh, as far as we know, there's no organized superhero team right now in the MCU. Is that fair? That's, that's a great point because even, even in Captain America or the, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, you would think that, you know, the Falcon had, you know, this, these, resources behind him and there he is his family struggling and everything else so yeah it it really great point Mm -hmm. you actually found out in falcon and winter soldier that they don't even get paid to be in the avengers and no thousand dollar a week step stepping like the the (laughs) comics no which is pretty it's amazing and it's just it was interesting too because there's also no shield for them to fall on anymore either Mm. and it's and so they're, like you said, they're literally on their own. And it was interesting that the black market auction was old Avengers stuff that had been stolen from the mm-hmm. wreck of the uh, compound. And yeah. it was it was pretty neat to see, you know, because that's where the Ronin costume came from. That's where the watch came from. And it was – and God knows what else was taken, you know, that we didn't even see. There's probably tons that we, you know, and it was just interesting to see that, you know, Hawkeye, you know, he was on his own. He was in New York with his family on vacation with the kids mm-hmm. seeing Rogers, the it, musical. I think he was, was just awesome. Like, I think he's pretty much being done. Being yeah, Hawkeye, he's right? pretty much retired. Oh, yeah, he was retired. He was, he's totally, he's done with everything. He didn't. And the only thing that even pulled him out was when he saw somebody dressed in the Ronin costume, roaming the streets, you know, rescuing the dog, which was on the video. (laughs) He's like, I never did that as Ronin. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I didn't rescue any dogs. (laughs) And so it was just interesting. And, but it it was, no, he didn't want to be, he was like, okay, I'm going to be there for Christmas. I promise, you know, and that was the running thing through the whole show. And, you know, each day was leading up to Christmas and can they get, you know, cause the whole series was almost, you know, in six days and everything mm-hmm. leading up to, you know, the Christmas thing. And it was, it was a neat experience to see because, you know, Clint was so apprehensive about doing anything and, and he was like, you know, he wasn't really taking it all that seriously until, you know, cause even when he went to go see Echo at the, you know, letting himself be captured by the, uh, tracksuit mafia and, you know, oh. which, which were, they <laughs> were just awesome. breakout stars. Yes. <laughs> we they, talk about them. They were awesome, but he let himself get captured so he could figure, you know, find out. And then it got serious when the other Black Widow showed up. And that's when he shooed. Kate away say no this really just took a different turn this is this is now real and that's where you know you could see his whole expression and body language even changed because before that he was just like going along yeah we'll do this we'll take out these guys he wasn't taking any of it serious basically mm-hmm. and i think up until the point where the the phone call from nathaniel um, that was a that was a kind of uh, pivotal point a point there where she comes in and she realizes that you know he's not hearing that it's a child's voice and you know helps him through that conversation. I think that was a really um, cementing point in their relationship. Oh, uh, completely. The two of them. Oh, completely. Yeah, it's a great scene. And 
Because it's not even just that scene, because after that, that's when she's like, okay, I'm picking up some Christmas things. We're going to get some movies. We're going to make that hot chocolate, and we're going to do Christmas right. Because since you're stuck here with me, we're going to do this. Um, so it was it was nice to see that, you know, she kind of realized what she did. Because, you know, in her head, she was first like, oh, man, it's Hawkeye. He can be my mentor. And then she's like, oh, crap, he's a father. Mm-hmm. And exactly. I just took him away from the family. So yeah. it, I've just hijacked his life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is, it's kind of funny because she's a Jewish character too, on top of it. And, you know, because if, you know, because the aunt's house, you could see the menorahs and you could see the, you know, all the Jewish stuff there. And it was just like, oh, that's funny. And she was just doing it for him, for the Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, the movie, the, the series, what, six episodes? Is that right? Six? Yes. Um, so, and, you know, I, like I said, I don't know what the schedule was for when all these shows were supposed to originally air, but I have to believe that Hawkeye was always intended to be airing in December to go, to lead up to Christmas because oh. of the oh, way the storyline goes. Um, and so it's probably not a coincidence that, you know, with Spider-Man opening around the same time that they, uh, they wanted to bring in, you know, like two of the Netflix characters at the same time, but that happened like the same week was just really odd. Um, and fun to be honest with you. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it goes, it's go ahead, Julie. Sorry. Well, I I was just going to, I was just going to point out because since we're, we're talking about it, Vincent D'Onofrio is probably one of the best cast people in all of Marvel like universe. He is, phenomenal as that character and i was so excited that they were bringing him in like i i had read up a little bit about the show i heard about echo i kind of knew what that connection was going to be so i suspected it but i wasn't sure that they were going to go there uh and then just him being on screen again i was like i've missed you it's been like what four years i don't i don't even know how many years it's been but i'm so glad you're back it's It's like it's like kevin feige can take (laughs) <laughs> like the best things that have like all the other MC other Marvel stuff and incorporated in like the multiverse thing has given him carte blanche to just take whatever yes. he wants. It's like, oh yeah, who is the best? Uh, you know, who is the best? J. Jonah Jameson, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> then boom, without any explanation, like he's our he's our he's our guy, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, like oh, well, we need a kingpin now. Like, well, we can't get a better kingpin than Vincent D'Onofrio, so let's bring him in as well. Yeah, I think the fan base would have revolted. <laughs> oh, well, exactly. And throughout the whole series, they were laying hints that he was mm-hmm. behind everything. Sure. Even the name of the body shop and used car Fat plays, Man. Fat Man. <laughs> exactly. Was yeah. just like, it was just like, oh, yeah, they're going there. And But I, you know, like, look, I've, I've watched enough Marvel to know that, okay, almost every series, one of the things that's been like this, like a very similar theme in all the Marvel shows is there always is somebody mysterious that you have to, that like you have to wait until the end to find out who's really behind everything. And of course it's Mephisto every time. No, uh, uh, (laughs) like we're still waiting for Mephisto. I thought it was Agatha Uh, all along. What do you mean? Exactly. But a lot of times they'll, you know, as we found out right early on with WandaVision, they are not beyond throwing out red herrings, right? So if everybody is thinking it's going to be Kingpin, then you know we're going to switch it up and 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 to be honest the one of the things about using Kate Bishop's mom the way they did is in the comics Kate Bishop's mom 
is associated with Madame Hydra. And, uh, and so with that being said, you know, I fully expected, and plus with the introduction of, um, Yelena into this series, uh, the other, the new Black Widow, I was really thinking that we would see Julia Dreyfus's character, uh, pop up again. I don't know if she's got a name yet in the MCU, but, uh, yes, she does. Uh, yeah. she's, uh, Contessa. Contessa. Contessa, right? Thank Contessa. you. Yeah. Right. And so I really expected her mom to be working with her, especially when we find out that she was that um, that uh, Black Widow was hired by her to take out Hawkeye. Because the last time we saw <laughs> uh, Elena was at the grave and she had gotten the dossier on Hawkeye and, and basically got the order. I think I don't know if she got it, the order itself there, but it was kind of leading to the fact that she was going to go in and take care of Hawkeye from that. So it's amazing. It starts off, it's only got six episodes and it starts off so simply with this like kind of murder mystery about who killed, uh, Kate Bishop's mom's fiance. And you've got this Ronin thing. Have, then you've it got, was, the there wasn't well, the, fun, it's, it's, not the fiance, it Jack. The fiance, it was the fiance. It's like, Oh, the fiance's the, father. father. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Armand. 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 uncle. Yes. Armand yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. For exactly. That. Um, and so you've got that going on. You're like, okay, that should take us through six episodes. And then you get the tracksuit mafia. And then you get like what's going on with Echo. And then you get what's going on with like, you know, that's that Black Widow's involved and that maybe Kingpin's involved. And like it gets deeper and deeper and more complicated. And I'm to the end where when the sixth episode starts, I'm like, how are they going to wrap this all up in one episode? And that was and cool too. And they did. They did it perfectly. They did. And they even introduced a new hero in this with with Jack, because oh. Jack is the swordsman from the comics, and, oh. and he is the one who he hit a little comic lore here just to throw in. Swordsman is as old has been in the comics as long as Hawkeye has been, and um, basically they were partners at one point when they were both evil. But they basically – and Swordsman went between good and evil multiple times more than Hawkeye did. And he ended up becoming an Avenger. And at one point, he actually married Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. And they got married at the same time Wanda and Vision did too at the same ceremony. So I had zero background on the Swordsman or Jack Duquesne or anything all I know is I come in in the first episode and I'm like, this guy is going to be so frustrating and I'm going to want to strangle him and he's going to be the worst. And then by the sixth episode, I'm like, this guy is amazing. He's taking down. He just like comes in the tracksuit. Obviously there. He's like, I have a sword and I'm just going to start fighting and hopefully I'm fighting the right people. And this is amazing. And he looks like he's having a blast. He looks like he's having. He so was. Much he fun. was. That's the cool thing about it. And I, I loved his character by the end. It was, it was a nice little arc for him to go from, I can't stand you to, this guy's amazing. I want to be like him. Well, Mike, you know, you mentioned the red herring, right? So mm-hmm. obviously, for the fans of the comics, you know, seeing Jack and and knowing the history of the swordsman, and you're thinking, oh, you know, he's, you know, ah, uh, he's he's a bad guy, right? And so to see him ultimately, like like Julie mentioned at the end, you know, fighting with with the uh, the others, um, it, it was it was, I that was a good moment for me as well. Um. 
I have to like, you know, take a few minutes really to talk about uh, Yelena in this. Um, you know, she, she wowed us all, I think in the black widow movie. Uh, I mean, I don't know how well, like a lot of you thought of the black widow movie, but um, I, it was regarded. Okay. But I think one thing was, I mean, Scarlet is a, is a hard act to follow. Yet I think even the worst critics of the Black Widow movie were sold on um, uh, uh, what is her name? I'm sorry, Florence Pugh. Brent Florence Pugh, thank you. Um, as being like the next Black Widow, she's awesome. Uh, you know the accents that she throws out is <laughs> is ridiculous, but it's it's awesome. She's her and Kate. I want to watch that show. That, oh, like, exactly. That, that would be watch. such a great buddy cop movie. It would be awesome. <laughs> They, they work so well together. Hey, they have such great chemistry. Their scenes, that first scene with them is so fun. Uh, their scenes in the, you know, in the, in the last episode, it's obvious to me that Yelena could just whoop her with oh. two arms, so with an arm behind her back, yeah. right? But and Kate's doing everything she can to hold her own. And, uh, and, you know, it's fun. But then we get this scene, we get the probably one of the, the most important scenes that's uh, as far as the MCU goes, uh, the, like with the ramifications of what happens in Endgame um, between Yelena and and Clint uh, on the ice and uh, about her sister and everything. And it's just, man, that scene is devastating. Oh, well, you could tell Clint was still blaming himself the whole time mm-hmm. for what happened well to Natasha. Should, yes. yes. So, and it was just amazing. And, you know, and it came out. It was just like, Boom, boom, and you know, and she was beating the crap out of him, and he wanted her to, you know, that he deserved it for it, and it was it was just a, a wonderful scene and everything. Poor Rockefeller Center will never be the same after that scene, but what a it, great but, setting. Oh, I mean, you know, they didn't owl, actually film the there. The owl was okay. Look great. Oh, the owl had the uh, had a moving truck to munch on. Yeah, the owl. Like you know, at first, what? How brilliant is that? They introduced the owl, and I'm like, okay, that's a cool thing. I didn't know it was foreshadowing to what was one of the most amazing trick arrow Ant Man references we've ever seen, which is like streaking down this 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 van, and and I'm like, wow. Like, I know, and I love so- when Kate said, "How do they get back to?" Says, "I don't know. I have to ask Pim about that." <laughs> <laughs> like man uh you almost feel bad for the tracksuit mafia guys in some way no. Uh, <laughs> no 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 they have Just horrible taste in music so it's okay <laughs> I, I i saw uh one of the headlines uh for the series at one point during the run they said something about like uh the reason why the tracksuit mafia guys say bro a lot and i'm like wow if people think they say bro a lot in the series wait till they read the comics because in the <laughs> comics they just they don't say anything else they just are like everything is bro like it's just they bro is at the end of almost every sentence that they utter every one of them um but what a great concoction they are and they have a lot they're the, they're, they're fun throughout the whole series mm-hmm. oh they're, they are words. and it's great because you know standard fodder it actually lightens the mood in some ways in certain scenes mm-hmm. having them in it because if it was just typical street thugs it wouldn't have worked but having the, the them in it was just brilliant and they they were portrayed brilliantly it was just awesome to see. And part of the fun thing with this 
episode and this whole series was it was a true roller coaster ride. It wasn't as dark and heavy as Falcon and Winter Soldier, but it had some very dark scenes in it and everything. Very intense moments. Yes. And that's what made it pretty darn awesome. God, poor Kate when she had to go up against Kingpin. That was just We found out really quickly that this is not the Netflix version of Kingpin. This is a this is a a meta kingpin. No, the, this is right out of the comic yeah. books. He, he right because no because right. not out of Netflix. No, though. no, to do oh, no, in, in the MCU when he slammed someone's head in and crushed it with a car door. Yeah, uh, it's pretty much on point. <laughs> it, it is pretty much on point because the king the kingpin in the comics it doesn't have any superpowers either. He is just built muscle on top of muscle on top of muscle and everything. He's bulky, but he's bulky like a sumo wrestler not you know not like a you know a fat guy and that's what how people misjudge him and everything but he is just pure muscle and that's why when she shoots him with the arrow literally he's able to just pull it out and everything because yeah. it just he gets hit by a car shot with an arrow and survives an explosion and we know he didn't get shot in the head at the end of this series yeah. right we know yeah. he's still alive so so he goes through much more damage than anything he ever went through in the Netflix. Show. Yeah, but I don't. He's not a meta. He's just. They did say the writers did say they upped his strength level. Oh, oh yeah, that's so, fine. So he is he is uber strong. Yeah, uh, almost to a meta level. If he's not meta himself, he's almost to that level. Um, but it's it's cool. I like that. You know, he's because I think they 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 talked to Vincent about playing him, and it's not the same kingpin in a lot of ways. Uh, but it is, you know. Mm-hmm. I think you said this, the motivations were the same, and yes. that's where the, yes. the the grounding of that character, you know, you you could see those similarities. So one of the and one I of love the, the uh, Aloha shirt that you wore yeah. that was uh, that was. Uh, I mean, granted, I would like that anyway, but it's really like referenced in a Spider-Man story, a classic Spider-Man story written by Mark Wade, where he's in that same exact outfit with the white and the red and everything, and I'm just like. Man, talk about bringing a comic to life. Sorry, Steve, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, thinking back to the Netflix Daredevil um, series, you know, you had the the hallway fight scene that was just incredible. Um, mm-hmm. When the car chase started um, oh. <laughs> on this one, um, that that hall, hallway fight scene instantly like came back to mind. It's like because it's all one long shot of you know the them from mm-hmm. the inside of the vehicle and 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 all of that. Um, A nice car chase scene right through south side of Atlanta. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a couple scenes where they they missed on the editing, and you could actually see the Marriott Marquis, or you could actually see oh, the Weston and everything behind them. <laughs> and it's like, oh, ain't that cute? And everything. But it was even awesomer. The Chinese restaurant in episode one was Golden Buddha down on Claremont Road in Decatur, where they were having dinner at. And it was just like, we had the ESO holiday dinner there one year. It was awesome. <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> so, um, so very cool. Well, um, where do we want to see, real quickly, before we wrap up, where does each one of us want to see this, the MCU 
Um, you can open it up wide if you want to, but particularly with these characters in this series, uh, who do you want to see more of? Who do you want to expect to see um, going forward? Uh, Julie, what is your well, uh, hopes and, and predictions for where uh, a lot of these characters end up? Well, first, my silly one is that uh, Adam Pascal just needs to continue to do more musicals that are within universe um, <laughs> because that was amazing. I could uh, do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to point that out there. Um, but really what I want is uh, I do want – I don't want to say that I want Clint to be like a um, Fury character because I don't want him to like you know become that – all powerful. Like I'm in every single person's business, but it would be kind of nice to see him as somewhat of a, like, you know, a glue type of character character. So he's, you know, bringing all the people in and he's kind of overseeing everything would be kind of nice to see from Clint's perspective. Um, and Kate, it's going to be interesting because then she basically put her mother behind bars. Um, I do think that she should feel some sort of ramification ramification of that um, and then obviously her mom is probably going to escape and then she's going to have this fallout with her and i think that would be an interesting thing to see um and i do want to see a lot more of echo i don't know exactly where i want to see echo's character go how about in a I- spinoff because they're doing yeah. a spinoff of her they've already well, announced yeah, but that she's gonna have a series i just don't know if i want her as a a villain or or anything like that, but I don't want her to be good. I want her to be that gray character uh, and continue to be that um, across the board. So that's kind of where I want to see some of these go. And then, you know, there's a small part of me that's like, are they building to a Young Avengers? Because you could have her, you could have Cassie Lang, you could have some of these other folks come in. So I think yeah, that's what they're building seen a towards. a lot of uh, Young Avengers characters introduced in the TV shows mm-hmm. this, the, over the past year. Yeah. Uh, like uh, uh, four of them, four of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm assuming that something like that is going to be happening. Um, they haven't announced anything exactly like that, but I surely goodness they're going to. Yeah. Steve, what about you? Where do you, where do you see uh, these characters going from here? Well, or where do you want them to go? To, to speak to, you know, Julie's, uh, you know, Talking about the uh, Clint being kind of a um, an overseer, almost kind of, um, you know, I think about his his role for the Thunderbolts and you know that the various teams that he's led. Um, I could really see him being that role for a new Avenger, a young Avenger. Excuse me. Um, of course, Kate Bishop. You've got. Uh, um, Thomas and William introduced in the um, Scarlet Witch and, and or WandaVision. WandaVision. Um, mm-hmm. You've got um, Kang set up as a, as a hero or villain coming in. Um, nothing to say. You couldn't bring um, somebody in there, uh, a young version of, of Kang to, to do the Iron Lad. Um, and then you've already got Elijah um, on the, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier. So yeah, so five uh, of them. Yeah, but you also you, you also <laughs> and have Cassie Lang. But you also have Young Loki too, who popped into uh, it. Young also, Loki. that's true. So yeah, you're you're majorly setting it up. And I, I'll be disappointed if it's not Alligator Loki. <laughs> 
Okay, you can hope for that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and Throg. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, it's there's a, a lot of potential there. Um, you know, Yelena, um, I would love to see more of her. And, and I agree with you, um, of relationship between um, her and Kate. Uh, maybe you stick her into the, the Young Avengers um, lineup. I think she's too old, though, to be a young Avenger. I, I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know exactly what her age young. is. But then again, she disappeared for five years, so hey. Which, and, can I say? That was that, awesome. That, that scene yeah. of yes. disappearing and coming back, and all of a sudden, the world is just changing around her. Oh. Uh, to see that from that perspective was, was, amazing. was a brilliant yeah. idea. Thank you, Steve. That was in my notes to mention, and I I almost moved right past it. So I'm glad we, I'm glad somebody brought that up because I thought they keep finding really cool ways to to look back on and talk about what happened with the blip, and that was just amazing. Uh, Mike, what about you? Where do you want to see uh, these characters go? I want to see Clint become more of a mentor, a trainer. I could see him maybe in the Young Avengers series being the trainer for the young Avengers or, you know, being the guy who maybe sets up the missions for them and such, and maybe even have his wife as part of it also. Cause we found out she's shield agent number 19. So <laughs> she's probably smarter than he is. Oh, I would almost guarantee that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I think he would agree. <laughs> So, yeah, I think there's a t total possibility cool. of some really great stuff with that. And, you know, and then that way he can keep an eye on Kate. He can keep a, an eye on the rest of the the heroes. And he, you know, like I said earlier, he's a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who has all these years of experience of going undercover or going on, you know, deep undercover. And I think he would be great at being like the the mentor for it and probably set up something even on the farm as a headquarters for them or something it could even be hmm. so i definitely you're definitely going to see clint again i don't think we're going to be seeing jeremy renner too soon but i know you know it'd be great to you know see him again i liked his i liked him more in this than any pretty much anything else i've ever seen him in mm. Mm. wow i mean and non mcu stuff included yeah Wow. If you haven't watched Mayor of Kingstown, check that out. It's yeah. on my list. Yeah, he's uh, he was all over the place in December on streaming. Oh, yes, Julie, he one was. of the things you mentioned was that uh, that his his wife was definitely you know probably smarter than Clint. Uh, just in case my wife hears this, I'll go ahead and say that most men marry up anyway. So. Fair enough. Wow. I'm setting my expectations too high. That's what I'm hearing. Okay. Um, well, I, I, you know, I don't know. I think in addition to, you know, we're obviously, I, I find it interesting that this past year we got four Marvel movies and five Marvel TV series. They all seem to like when the phase one or the previous <laughs> phases of, of uh, Marvel, the MCU it seemed like they were leading to Thanos. Every, all roads led to Thanos, right? Every movie that came out, everything, boom, 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 Thanos, Thanos, Thanos. I find it interesting in this now post-Endgame world that we're in with the MCU, the roads are di really it's, divergent. Like, different things are pointing to different, like, 
I see um, it as like an expansion. There, yeah. instead of just leading to one thing, it's just like now that we have this world, everyone knows what it is. Now we can just say we're going, we're going everywhere. And I, I don't necessarily think that they need one final end goal. I, I think Kevin Feige's all about like you thought we did. We broke a lot of records with <laughs> Infinity War and Endgame. Hold my beer. Like he's like. He's thinking long term, and he's gonna like oh. he's gonna wow us by bringing everything together in a way we don't expect. Um, I'm sure because that man, like, <laughs> exactly, it's insane. It's insane, insane. what he's. Done. He's insane, but the best kind of insanity, right? <laughs> um, I don't know when we're gonna see these characters. Obviously, the the next few shows that are on the docket, the next few movies don't seem to link. Don't seem to, anyway, <laughs> link to Hawkeye anywhere in the near future. But we'll see. Um, you know, we've got, as you guys said, the young Avengers, we've got a potential Thunderbolt story going on with the, what the, the group that, uh, the, the, uh, countess, countess is putting together. Yeah. U.S. I mean, agent got, and others. You got U.S. Ugh. agent. She's got a black widow at her beck and calls, which that's what, what else do you need? Like <laughs> You've got those two. Not U.S. agent. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, uh, you know, so maybe we'll see like a team of super pets too, with the with the alligator Loki and Lucky the pizza dog, and you know, like all of them get together as well. So uh, that's it. Look, that's a that what if that's a what if episode waiting to happen. I'm not wrong. <laughs> I'm ready. My body's ready. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So who knows? But whatever happens, I'll be there. Uh, you know, they Hawkeye is just another example of how well that they are running this machine. And I know that some people are complaining about overkill or saturation or whatever. They keep providing this great stuff. I don't care. I'll I'll be there every time it premieres, whether it's a movie or a TV series or whatever. So thank you guys so much for, for joining us to talk about Hawkeye. We'll be right back as we get a little creative. Hey everybody, Michelle here with an Iconic Rock talk show moment, and I wish I could say the year was getting off to a better start than it seems to be. Uh, as you may have heard, Sinead O'Connor, who has been through so much in her life, her son Shane, age 17, he was the spitting image of her. He took his own life on Friday. Uh, the whole tragic story played out on Twitter apparently a week ago. He made two attempts on his life. He was on suicide watch at a Dublin hospital, but somehow... Uh, got out and went missing. Sinead O'Connor was appealing to him, anyone who may have seen him, to get in touch with her on Twitter. Um, but unfortunately, his body was located in another part of the city Friday night. Um, he had struggled for some time with mental health issues. And you have to think there's going to be repercussions for that hospital. It's just incredible to think that he was able to slip out like that. Some other notable passings in the world of music this past week. Calvin Simon, age 79, former vocalist and percussionist for Parliament Funkadelic. And Saturday, Michael Lang passed away at age 77. Lang made music and cultural history at age 24 in 1969 when he organized the 
legendary isn't even the word, doesn't do it justice, the Woodstock Music Festival in 69, um, as well as the two follow-ups in 94 and 99. Uh, David Lee Roth had been citing health issues, saying he was retiring with some shows in Vegas, but over the weekend, those were canceled due to COVID concerns. His management did release a statement that said, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. We got rained out, COVID canceled. Future shows? When the benefit concerts for Colorado, Farm Aid, and hospital workers everywhere come up, call me to be continued. So not sure what that means. Um, We'll see what happens. Also, the Grammy Awards were scheduled for January 31st at Crypto.com Arena in L.A., worst name for a venue ever, but they have also been COVID affected. They're postponed with no new date scheduled yet. Um, sources are pointing to April or May as a possible date, but there's some conflicts with the venue scheduling wise. So again, we'll see what happens. So some good news. Let's have good news. Uh, the New Orleans City Council has approved a name change for Robert E. Lee Boulevard in that city to be renamed Alan Toussaint Boulevard after the legendary musician and songwriter. That is great. And if you're feeling kind of down, you've got post-holiday blues, you want to feel good, go check out the new video for the song Rattle Can by Reverend Payton and the Big Damn Band. Uh, it's from their new album, Dance Songs for Hard Times. Um, you will be doing that Beavis and Butthead dance in your room by yourself. And we don't judge you for that. It is amazing. It is fun. You will really love it. And by the way, Mike Judge is teasing a Beavis and Butthead movie with with Beavis and Butthead in middle age. Does anybody really want to see that? I I didn't think so. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment, and we will catch you next time, and again, see what happens. If you were a monster kid growing up, if you enjoyed Saturday mornings watching monster movie matinee, or staying up all night watching the midnight feature, then Monster Attack is the podcast for you. We not only look at classic old monster movies, we share our experience growing up as a monster kid. Join us every Monday for Monster Attack. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are here with our new friend, Jack Holder. He is here for the Creative Outlet segment. Hey Jack, welcome to the show. Hi Mike, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on. Oh, it's awesome to have you here. And you have a Kickstarter going on right now. Do you want to tell everyone about it? Absolutely. So this is for the first issue of Legends of the Realm, The Floated Dream. Uh, it's the first of a six-parter. Uh, the Floated Dream is about uh, a young mage, Camridian, uh, who has just been given a quest by his king. Go through the kingdom of Danisfire find new magic and perhaps create a miracle of your own. His first stop is the floating city of Providentia, a mysterious jewel hidden far above the clouds that's just now started to reveal itself to the rest of the kingdom. And Cameridian is watching and trying to figure out what is the uh, cost of such magic. What do you have to uh, give up to live amongst the clouds? Oh, that's pretty awesome. That is really cool. So do you have it all plotted out? Or are you writing as you go along? How's it working? Uh, so the whole six-issue arc is plotted out. Uh, we're still working on it. I'm constantly going back and forth with uh, my artistic and creative team, trying to make sure all the further issues are 
squared away. We want to make sure this is tight cohesive and just keeps uh, giving people newer and better uh, books every single time. Well, I saw some of the stuff online on Kickstarter, but also the stuff you sent me, and it looks beautiful, man. It really, really looks nice. I got to give all the props to our artist, Evan Scale. He is a new talent that people are just starting to discover just how amazing he is. That is cool. And how did you find him? Uh, Believe it or not, Upwork. I was uh, doing a collection of short stories of my own, and I was looking for multiple artists. And Evan was one of the guys who sent in... uh, a portfolio. I loved his work. Then we asked if we wanted to do a couple anthologies together. I had this idea banging around for now close to five years at that point, and he loved it, and then we just started going. Oh, that is awesome. It's nice when you could find somebody like that that you could fit in with and everything. It's pretty cool. So what kind of, uh, you know, you got the Kickstarter going. So when is the Kickstarter going through? The Kickstarter is going to be going through February 3rd. Uh, we just uh, finished up the first week. Uh, we were so happy. We hit a big milestone with 75 backers. And we are past the first third of funding. Uh, this will be my 10th Kickstarter. So I know if we can get that first third banged out in the first week, everything gets a lot easier. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I was, I was oh. going to ask you, I noticed that this was your 10th, uh, 10th Kickstarter. I, I, and that's a lot of Kickstarters and that's great experience. Does it, and, and has, since I've only done one, I'm wondering if, does it get any easier and less stressful? So what I like, uh, hearing about this, uh, I am applying also into my own life. Uh, I just, uh, became a father, uh, this past July. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, And I actually can compare uh, Kickstarter with raising a child. Some problems will go away the more uh, you go through more Kickstarters, just like as the kid grows up, some uh, challenges go away, but you get new ones uh, to (laughs) replace them. (laughs) That's awesome. That is really awesome. So it's cool. So, once you hit your goal, do you have any, you know, you know, expanding and, you know, extras that you're going to be uh, looking at? We're definitely going to be looking at things like more artwork that we can do. We've got, uh, we've got a creative team that's chomping at the bit going, what else can we do? Uh, can we do more variants? Can we, for covers, can we do more uh, digital rewards for people to which I'm like, I absolutely would love to do that uh we just need to get you dear packers backing so we can make sure we have the funds to do such that is awesome sir jack real quickly so how can people find you so they can uh find me on twitter at jack holder ai arcane ink industries uh if you want to check out the kickstarter right now it's inked.pub slash legends uh if you want my website, it is arcaneinkdistries.com, uh, I-N-K distries. Uh, we played with puns, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And you can find me at Facebook at Arcane Ink Distries as well. That is awesome. We will have those links up in our show notes so people can find you. Best of luck with everything, Jack. Thank you so much. And once again, thank you for having me. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back in a moment to close up the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the sixth season of The Expanse. So over half of the final season of The Expanse has happened, and Amazon has decided to not renew it And in their run of the show, in, the, in its sixth season. I guess the producers are also looking for another home for the show because the sixth season isn't the last bit of the show. However, I'm still trying to figure out what they are doing with this season to at least give us some closure in case they don't find a home for it. The four storylines have at least been turned into three by the end of the fifth episode. I will say I am loving the Laconia storyline, and I'm really, really sad that we're not going to get more of it. Because, like, I have so many questions about what's going on in the least few minutes we get at the beginning of each episode. And I really want to know more, and I don't think they're going to be answered in one more episode. I'm really loving the storylines this season, though. Last season, it was really hard to keep up with everything that was going on, and it really seemed to be going nowhere. But this season, it's all come together. I also love Peaches on the Rocinante. She has such a good dynamic with the crew, and I love how they're softening up to her little by little and really making her part of the crew. I also love just how awesome Drummer has been this season, because... Kamina is my girl in this show. She is just so amazing, and she just keeps getting more and more awesome. I'm really excited to see the last episode of this season and what they have in store. I also really hope they find another home for the show because it's so good, and we have so much more to see. I would highly recommend watching The Expanse if you have not seen it yet. All six seasons are on Amazon Prime, or at least checking out the book series if that's more your style, reading over watching. And the last book was just released right before Christmas. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? You're going to have to listen to find out. So let's wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Before we get out of here, let's talk and say howdy to our friends at Ink Marketing. Ink.pub is the place to go for all kinds of really cool things like we just heard a couple minutes ago from our friends who had joined us earlier. It's pretty cool what they have going on there. And this time we're going to talk about Stuffed Rock. Introducing Mara from Stuffed Rock Studios. What changes an innocent girl into a warrior? Mara is a story of magic, monsters, gods, and a girl gifted with the strength of many. Come watch the trailer at inked.pub slash Mara. Then sign up on Patreon to see the pages as they come out weekly. Check it out. Sounds like pretty fun stuff to me. Okay, folks, we are wrapping up this episode, and let's thank everyone who joined us. Steve, two episodes so far now under your belt. Hey, I, I just appreciate being here. Uh, before I go, I just want to ask, Mike, the exit, is it left, right, right, left, <laughs> or did I get that mixed up again? I, I just don't want to be here stuck in the station. Go take weeks. a left and push the red button, and then just kiss your butt goodbye, and then you'll be fine. You, you <laughs> oh, the auto-ejector. You, you only get one guest appearance a year, Steve. So, um, <laughs> un- so unfortunately, we'll Lies. see you again in, in 2020. <laughs> 
Yeah, if, usually, usually I said he only gets one. Like. He only gets one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm kidding. You've you've graduated into friend of the station now, Julie. So you know oh, you've been boy. here for much, much, much more time. So, graduated, punished, like you know. It's, 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 exactly, it's the same thing, some ways. So it's very cool. So, Steve, anything you want to shout out about or promote? Anything? No, I just uh, like I said, appreciate being here. Uh, again, really enjoy y'all's content. Uh, I've had a blast um, being thank, with you guys, and thank you for becoming a new patron for us. Absolutely. We do Absolutely. appreciate it. So. Oh, he's a patron. Okay, then he can come on as much as <laughs> No, 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 no. He's not that big of a patron yet. No. There's, there's only so much slumming y'all can handle. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and, of course, Julie, thank you as always, my dear, for joining. It's always great to see you. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. You know, I come back for anything Marvel. I know. I figured we got some Marvel stuff coming further down. It's like, oh, I guess we got to invite Julie with that. <laughs> so. not, not as much as last year, but there's still <laughs> a lot on the schedule for this year. <laughs> oh, dude, we still have how many Marvel movies to go in 2022? I think, that, I think there's three movies and four shows. So they're scaling back a little bit from last year. Just, just a tad. <laughs> just just yeah. a tad bit. But, you know. You never know what they'll surprise us with, too. So it's, you know, even better. So it should be Mm -hmm. tons of fun. Anything you want to shout out about? Of course. You know exactly what I want to shout out about. Oh, of Uh, course uh, I do. (laughs) I have a podcast. We are Watchers in the Fourth Dimension. And it is four of us. And we're watching Doctor Who from the very beginning. Right now, we're in the third Doctor era, which is what I feel like right now. Because like him, I'm trapped here. And then they let me go out on missions, and then they just suck me back in. Uh, so, if you want to listen to it. Exactly. So, you're trapped in the station, huh? Is that yeah. what you're trying to say? It'll, I mean, I'll be coming back soon. Yeah, listen to <laughs> other shows. She sounds so excited. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think we might need to reconsider her contract there. So, you know, I think we might need to figure that one out. I'll get my lawyer. Okay. Exactly. So, and of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, we've made it through another one, my friend. We have, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do, I do. Um, I've been doing, um, like, I did a lot of uh, uh, reading last year. Uh, I think I beat my personal record of uh, more than 200 and some books uh, in the year. And most of them were graphic novels or collections. But I, you know, I do try to read a lot of uh, biographies and fiction and nonfiction as well. So this year I started, um, uh, my list is, my goal is another 200. I started with an autobiography that a good friend of mine uh, gave me for Christmas. And uh, it is uh, an autobiography written by Mel Brooks it's called All About Me. Um, and it is, uh, look, if you didn't know how funny Mel Brooks is, obviously you don't listen to our show, um, but um, he lets you know. Uh, almost every other page of this biography. Um, and, but he's, he's perfectly loud. He can back it up. Uh, he has produced some of the funniest material, movies, television shows, et cetera, et cetera, in, in history. And uh, this book is full of, of great memories about making all of those things, as well as his time growing up in Brooklyn, his service in World War II, just everything that has been part of his amazing career. Um, and he's not done yet, folks. So expect to, expect all about me part two 
at some time in the future. Uh, but it was a great Christmas gift and a great way to start off my um, my reading. I suggest going out and getting this book or listening to the audio, which I think I believe he reads as well. Um, so uh, you can't go wrong with uh, with this one. That is awesome. And Mill is such a great character. And I'm going to be very curious to possibly listen to the audio version of it to hear him read about his life and everything. So, And, you know, some people might say he's gotten a little bit older and missed a couple steps. But, you know what, he's still a ton of fun. And we have a true catalog of stuff of his work to look back on and go, okay, it's funny. We'll listen. So it's pretty good. Um, my shout out real quick is to all our friends out there who have, you know, it seems like the numbers are growing, who have COVID and who have, you know, get the Omicron and in, people who are fully vaccinated and we're not going to get political or anything. So don't worry about that. But I just wanted to say, you know, it kind of struck home here because Judy actually had it over Christmas. And so we, you know, had to you know, you know, basically, you know, isolate ourselves and everything. And thank goodness I never got it. And it just, it's so just strange. Even some people who are in the same home, you know, you could be as safe as possible, but if you you can get it from, you know, just going to a grocery store or, or such. And, you know, that's why like we continue to wear our masks and, you know, or, you know, use hand sanitizer when we get back in the cars just to keep ourselves safe. But even if you keep yourself safe, you know, you could still get it and such. Her, luckily, her symptoms weren't so bad. She had a bad cold for like a day and a half, and then she started getting better. So go figure. And so, you know, just take care of yourselves, folks. We want you guys here for, you know, 2022 is starting already for us, and it's just the beginning. We have a lot to talk to you guys about, and we want each and every one of you here to listen to each one of the episodes. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I couldn't even say that with a straight face. I think Mike Gordon and I are the only ones who actually listen to every episode. So, but it's always a ton of fun to be able to talk with you guys and such. And speaking of talking to you guys, Darren is going to be back again next week. And he is going to be taking us to the South Florida for a little bit of a vacation. We're actually going to be going to see the birdcage. That's right. Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. We're going to be talking all about that. Should be a blast and everything. So join Darren and Mary as they join us next week. And, of course, we would love to hear from you guys. Feedback at earthstation1.com. Thank you guys for our numbers have been great and growing every episode, every month. And we do appreciate you guys so, so much. We might not say it every time, but we do. And as we like to say, we're up there with all the other podcasts. And we th thank you for taking the time to listen to us, to send feedback, to even rate us, you know, up on wherever you listen to your podcast. And it's always a blast to be able to do that. And so, you know, it's great to be able to share each week with you what's going on in our lives. And, you know, as we like to say, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You could find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. So please tell all your friends and tell all your neighbors about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, and of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, 
and of course Julie Filipek and Steve Fowler who took time out from us to he's missing a football game folks so we got to let him go he's probably been staring at the score the whole time and going oh my god i don't know what's going to happen i don't know what's going to happen and then not just a football game the football game the one that's almost the super bowl not quite though but you know <laughs> so it should be kind of cool Thanks again for listening. We'll see you here next week on Earth Station One. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and just have fun. Be good. Peace. And we are done. We're out of here. Yay! You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.